Hi friends, today we'll be teaching about Australia's largest land predator. I say land predator because great white sharks are in Australian waters and those stunning fish are enormous and could eat this animal pretty easily. Like in a single bite kind of easy. Like you eating a chip easy. It's easy for them is what I'm trying to say. Before we fully get into today's episode, I want to be annoying and remind you about, you know, me. Australia's most egotistical animal. So if you want to make this creature happy, please share this with your friends if you like it. It will make you seem cool. Trust me. And also to follow me on my social medias, which will be in the show notes. You're an amazing person and you know what to do. But anyways, back to great whites and this mysterious other animal. Even though a great white can easily trump this furry friend, the mammal we will be discussing today has a higher bite force quotient than a great white. Bite force is the strength of the bite itself. The bigger the animal, the stronger the bite usually because there is more muscle and weight behind it. But the bite force quotient is a way to compare the bite force of an animal in relation to its size. The equation, if you want to use it, will also be in the show notes as well. Try it on such thing as your cat, your dad, or that annoying kid down the street. The BFQ and the formula stands for bite force quotient. The BF is the bite force strength of the animal in newtons, and BM is the body mass of the animal. The rest of the numbers is smart people talk that I don't understand because I am not part of that demographic. Luckily, you don't need to know what log is, you just need to fill out those things I mentioned earlier, which is pretty easy to obtain. Using this formula, you can even work out your own bite force quotient. When I plugged in my bite force and body mass into the formula, the result was weak ass bitch. Turns out, running your mouth a bunch doesn't actually make it any stronger. The more you know. Anyways, the mammal we are talking about today has the strongest bite force quotient of any mammal recorded to date, of 181. To put this into a bit more perspective, a tiger, one of the most feared animals in the world, unless you are, you know, Joe Exotic, but I guess years of doing meth would remove any kind of fear response, eh? Meth, not even once, kids. Tigers, though, so they have a bite force quotient of 121. Side note, the BFQ does not include the deadly fucking skewers that the tigers call teeth in the equation. You don't exactly need to bite hard if you could just stab your prey in the neck with massive teeth. But I'm trying to exaggerate the ferocity of this mysterious animal, so bear with me. That's such a huge difference between 181 and 121. Another point about our Australian largest land predator friend, they make such a horrific noise that I can't show you due to copyright, that when the first Europeans came to Australia and heard it, they thought there was actual devils around. As someone who used to work with this animal, I can confirm those allegations to be correct. Except showing a cross to these things wouldn't slow them down. If anything, it would just grow their bloodlust. Speaking of, its scientific name is Sarcophilus harisi. Sarcophilus comes from the fusion of two Greek words, sarx, which is flesh, and phyllis, meaning lover. Yup, flesh lover. If you're curious to what harisi means, it is the name of some dude named Harris. So the fun translation of its scientific name is Harris's flesh eater. The fool thinking he can own this beast. Never trust a Harris. If you haven't gotten it already, this incredible animal is the Tasmanian Devil. How big is it? Fucking about the size of a small dog, like a pug, 
kind of small. Males are about 65 centimeters long and weigh 8 kilos, and females are about 57 centimeters long and weigh 6 kilos. Now before you say dingoes are bigger, you're right, okay? Clever you, fucking nerd. How t- <laughs> I'm kidding, good job. However, technically, they aren't native, depending on who you ask anyways. Time for a dingo tangent. You see, the oldest dingo fossil found in the great continent of Australia was in Western Australia and dated to around 3500 BCE. So about 5,500 years old. There is some research saying dingoes could have been here for around 10,000 years now. But either way, geologically speaking, that is nothing. To put it in perspective, we have some Tasmanian devil fossils that are around 100,000 years old. The current theory is dingoes came to Australia from Asia as they are related to the Asianic wolf from a few thousand years ago. In 2008, the International Union of Conservation of Nature, or the IUCN, the organization responsible for determining how close certain species are to extinction and give them titles like vulnerable, threatened, critically endangered, etc., said that the dingo was threatened. Threatened means that if no change is done, the animal is most likely going to end up being endangered or extinct in a couple years. This is because here in the Great Southland, we have a bunch of feral dogs out there who think dingoes are sexy. So there is a bunch of half feral domesticated dog, half dingo roaming around thinking they are top shit. Also, purebred dingoes are considered a pest in some areas, even in 2021. Because that's what humans do. If anything slightly inconveniences us, we deem it a pest and try to get rid of it. Oi, dingo, are you trying to protect your area? Feed your puppies? Not here you won't, mate. Move along. This is my area now, you pest. Fuck off, you cunt. That is me, an Australian, doing an impression of an Australian. (laughs) Moving on. So to sum up, doggies doing doggy style and humans being humans were driving the dingo to go potentially extinct way back in 2008. Fast forward 10 years to 2018, our friends at the IUCN were like, yeah, so we changed our mind about the whole dingoes being threatened thing. We came to the conclusion that dingoes and feral dogs are basically the same, kind of like how the wolf and a Labrador are the same, makes sense to us. So now they are all grouped together, and since feral dogs have no protection, neither does the dingo. Yay, go us! So now the dingo has no protection and large chunks of Australia because our pastime is trying to suck our own dicks. Job well done, self five. So yeah, kinda fucked. It is protected in some areas and there is still conservation work happening for the dingo, but still, not the best outlook for them. What was my point about this? Oh yeah, so if you said it was native, you are right and wrong. Depending on who you ask. Hope that answers your question. Tangent over, back to Tasmanian Devils, the actual subject of this episode. They are called Tasmanian Devils because the only wild population of them are restricted to the island of Tasmania. Fossil records show that the extinction of them on the mainland happened around 3,000 years ago. (gasps) You mean slightly after those fucking feral dogs, I mean dingoes came? Maybe it's a good thing those fucks aren't protected then. 
Kidding. Save the dingoes, please and thank you. But for reals, dingoes did probably outcompete the Tasmanian Devils and the Tasmanian Tiger, aka the Thylacine, on the mainland, forcing them both to just be on Tasmania. And as we all know, dogs hate water, so they didn't want to swim and get to Tasmania to eat the things there, meaning it was the Tasmanian Devil's last holdout. Now if your entire population was moved to an island like Tasmania after roaming nearly all of Australia for thousands of years, I would make those scary noises too. I would also be pretty hardcore with my kids. It's survival of the fittest in Australia. You can't waste resources on weak offspring or you might end up as something else's food. Tasmanian devils have four teats. Teats have milk and as a baby you need that shit to live. You'd think, because there is four teats, that they would give birth to four or less offspring, right? One each. That seems perfectly logical. But nope. Tasmanian devils are marsupials, and one of the trade features of the marsupial is giving birth to tiny, underdeveloped, jelly bean-sized babies that crawl to the safety of a pouch to finish growing in. So because the young are relatively easy to grow inside them, the Tasmanian devil can give birth to up to 50 at once. 50! So what do you think happens to the ones that don't make it to one of those four literal life-giving teats? Here's a hint. They die, either by malnourishment or by being eaten by their mother. Sometimes both. You can't let a perfectly good meal such as your own children go to waste, you know. You grew them, you have every right to eat them after. Kind of just putting their energy back inside of you. Tasmanian devils also have 42 teeth. Same as the average dog actually, except I think I prefer a dog smile to theirs. Unlike dog's teeth, the Tasmanian devil's teeth never stop growing either. Normally animals don't like eating bones because most don't have the strength to break into them and a lot of the ones that are capable of breaking bones don't want to risk wearing their precious teeth down on the hard bony calcium. Tasmanian devils don't care about either of those things. Nothing is wasted with these animals. Not babies and certainly not bones. Luckily for us, they are lazy and don't like to hunt, and are in fact scavengers. Meaning you can sleep well tonight knowing there probably isn't going to be one of these devils under your bed. Can't say anything about other devils though. These ones are great scavengers too. If they find a carcass large enough, usually like a dead wallaby, they can consume up to 40% of their body weight in one sitting. Almost half their body weight! Can you imagine eating nearly half of your body weight? Half of you, just sitting in your belly, that would put you in the biggest food coma of your life. You know, if your stomach doesn't explode first, same thing happens with them. The food coma part that is, but instead of sleeping in a comfy bed, they will make themselves at home inside the body of the animal that they are eating. What better way to defend your food than by turning it into your temporary home? Simple and effective. Now, here is a sad thing about these beautiful creatures. They have one of the only contagious forms of cancer that we know of. It is called devil facial tumors and there is two strains of it. Devil facial tumor 1, which we have known about since 1996, and devil facial tumor 2, which we only found about in 2014. The suck keeps on growing because as I said earlier, this form of cancer is contagious. We aren't fully sure on how it spreads on a cellular level yet. What we do know is when a healthy individual gets in physical contact with the devil who has it, it can spread. 
If a healthy one bites or is bitten by an infected devil, it spreads. And biting each other to them is like us hugging or handshaking. They do it for practically everything. The tumor then starts growing and kills the devil, either by means of normal cancer death or by getting so large the devil can't breathe, eat or drink. Unfortunately, we also don't know any ways to cure it as of yet, further increasing the suckiness of the situation. However, there is a safety population of Tasmanian devils in a place called Devil Ark in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. Here, the amazing researchers have given the devils all the space they need and are treated as if they are wild Tasmanian devils, which I think is brilliant. This is so in case something happens to the wild population, we have a backup population that haven't gotten used to people. Humans can be cool like that. If you want to learn more about the amazing work they do, I have left the link to Devil Ark also in the show notes, along with all my things such as my appreciation for listening to this, my socials, and even my very own Patreon. If you have any suggestions for what you want to see on the Patreon, please let me know because I have no idea at the moment. So to sum up, not all devils are bad, but all devils probably eat their kids. Till next time, bye!